Welcome to Oikos. We're glad that you're with us on Valentine's Day. Guys, did you remember to tell your lovely lady if you have one? Happy Valentine's Day. If you didn't, it's a little late now. <laughs> However, you are in God's house where forgiveness reigns. So women, remember that. We are starting a new series, it's called Psalms, and I just want to clarify that as we read through the Bible together, you may have thought, I think he just skipped a lot of books of the Bible, because <laughs> we didn't get all the way through Genesis, but if you are on the reading plan, you'll notice that Psalms, or a Psalm, is continually read every day. It's a wonderful way to have a reflection on God's Word. And what I want us to do as we go through this series on Psalms is just realize that every time you read Scripture, and in particular Psalms, you will always see something new. And the reason why you see something new is, one, God's Word is powerful, and it goes beyond what we can understand. But also, you live life. Every day that God gives you another day to breathe, you have a new experience. Every day that you wake up and you walk through the halls of your workplace, or you go to school, or you take care of your kids, or you take care of your wife, or your husband, or your parents, or your grandchildren, you have a new experience. That experience will change you and make wisdom grow. And each time you read the Psalms, you get to see another glimpse of what God's Word is all about. So as we go through Psalms, we're going to go into a Psalm that most of us, I'm going to almost guarantee that everyone in here has heard once. It is a Psalm that is not only said at funerals, or when people go, I'm trying to remember a verse of the Bible, I can remember this one. It's used in movies, all the time, TV shows. This psalm is very, very famous. It's Psalm 23. So if you want to open up your Bibles, go to Psalm 23. The easiest way to find the book of Psalms in the Bible, I was taught this when I was in confirmation, I believe. I was in confirmation class, and my pastor was like, you guys need to go to the book of Psalms. And of course, we had no idea where the book of Psalms was. And so he said, the best way to find it is take your Bible. This doesn't work if you have a smartphone. Sorry. <laughs> if you have an actual literal Bible, paper, take your Bible, open it in half, and you'll always end up around Psalms. So Psalms is kind of in the middle of the Bible. A lot of them are attributed to King David. We don't know that for a fact but history would tell us that he wrote several of these, or he had people who were in his, in his employment or under his service write them for him, or because he was a king, he especially, we know this about him, loved music. And so obviously he would say, we need more music within our worship assembly. And many of these psalms came out of that. Psalm 23 is attributed to David, and so let's read through that together. The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. 
Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My my cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This is an old man's psalm. If David wrote it, he probably wrote it towards the end of his days. He wrote it after he had seen many of those life experiences that I was talking about before. He wrote this after there was grief in his life that was much deeper than what a 20-year-old would experience. He wrote this where he had exuberant joy fill his life, much different than a 15-year-old had experienced. And that's the beauty of living long years on this earth, is that even in all the messed up stuff, God gives us little glimpses of who he is and what he's preparing. And I believe that David wrote this after he had seen many of these things occur. And so it had deep meaning for him, knowing that the Lord was close to him and that the Lord would not leave him. I think there are a couple things that it does. If you just look at verses 1 through 3, it tells us who our Father is. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Our Lord brings rest, renewal, and restoration. When you walk with him, when you are a part of his flock, his presence, his protection, He brings restoration, renewal. He brings that that we need the most nowadays is rest. Did everyone have a good night's rest? I did. Um, I slept really good. But sometimes you don't, right? And when you look to the shepherd, he brings you rest. We know this because he has brought many of us, if you've experienced some life, to the green meadows of life. So we see in the psalm that he, he lets me rest in green meadows. Just think for a minute, what are some of those green meadows that you've experienced? So one I can think of is the day that my children were all born. Even Zach, who was not going to make it. And they had to do extreme measures to make sure that he could. Even then, it was a green meadow because I had a son. You know what he told me? It was awesome. Hopefully I won't like get emotional. Usually I don't, but just in case, I'm preferable. He said, Dad, we had a little guy's day yesterday, so we were driving and um, we were going to go throw the football in a park. And he goes, Dad, you know what? Maybe when I grow up and 
get married, and maybe I'll have a son. And then, you know, when he gets around, you know, nine or ten, we can all go play football together. If you're not dead. <laughs> Before I said, if you're not dead part, I was like, oh. Obviously, he thinks my longevity is not going to be too far. So, Green Meadows, I think of all the, the awesome things my kids have said that have given me a little glimpse. Many times you see it in your children, if you have kids, or even if you just love kids, it's that hug that they give you. That hug of trust and care that you can't get anywhere else complete trust in you, that look in their face when maybe they could care less if anything else happened in the world, they're just happy to see you because they haven't seen you the whole, the whole day. Those are green meadows. Green meadows in my life um, are also, you know, very surface things. Like I remember getting the toy that I had asked for when as, as a kid, I pleaded and um, I don't even know how to say it. I think it was like Drakkar or something, and it was this dragon, and it flew around. It, it, no one knows what it is, but it's the teeth of the dragon glowed, and I thought that was so cool. And I had a little green meadow because it was something I asked for, and right away, right at Christmas, I received it. It was just a blessing. It, it's nothing big, just something that I said, Awesome. Our Lord does that with us every day. And what I want to encourage us to do throughout Lent is that we give thanks. So if you're a parent and your, your child comes up and runs up to you and their face is covered with snot and they grab onto you and they hug you and you're all messed up, stop for a second, just give thanks. That they have pure joy and love for you. And try not to make a face about like this, like I normally do when my kids mess me up. Remember to give thanks. In those moments when you go to work and you don't want to be there, pause for a moment and give thanks to the Lord that he's allowed you to have this green meadow to provide for yourself and for your family or for those that you care for. Pause for a moment and thank God for the green meadows that he's already provided. Now, some of you, maybe you don't know Jesus that well. Or maybe everyone assumes you know Jesus, but you know in your heart you really don't. Maybe you grew up in a, or you grew up in a Christian family and so everyone just said you should be a Christian. Or you obviously are a Christian. But in your heart, you've got a lot of doubts Maybe you haven't really seen exactly how God works. What are some green meadows you could be praying for? See, I believe in a father who doesn't give us things just to give us things. He gives us things because he's a good father. He loves us. That doesn't mean that I go and, you know, I've prayed for a Ferrari, like Magnum P.I., for like 40 years. Not 40, because I'm 41, so... 35 years I've prayed for this Ferrari. Not really, because I kind of gave up. But that's not where I'm looking for a blessing from the Lord. 
because he's changing me. He's changing my perspective. You know, for 10 years, I did pray for contentment. Lord, bring me contentment just so that I can be thankful for what I have, what you've brought in my life. And he's actually been doing that in me. I'm able to kind of give up some things that I would normally go, oh, I, I need that, or I'd see someone something, and, you know, I can become very materialistic quickly. But he's kind of pulling that out of me. And it's a new green meadow that he's inviting me into. Contentment with what I have. What green meadows would you like him to bring to you? And then pray for him. Ask him. That's what the Bible says to do. Lord, I think this would be good for my life, so would you grant it for me? He is big enough to tell you no. And he's powerful enough to accomplish it. But many of us fall into this state of fear that maybe I shouldn't ask because that's too much. Or maybe he doesn't hear me. And I'm going to tell you that many of you have some major things going on in your heart and you need a green meadow. You need to ask. You need to ask the Lord to guide you into that and give you rest. Don't just think you're going to find it on your own. Do you know what sheep do when you let them go do their own thing? They die. They die. That's what sheep do. They're so stupid. They have no idea what's going on. They just kind of go around. They have a blank look in their face all the time. They can only say two syllables. Baba, right? That's all they can do. They look around, and that's seriously what sheep do. They have to have a goat. A goat normally leads them because they don't know where to go. This is all true stuff. You guys are like, I've never had sheep. Well, let me tell you, I haven't either. I just read about all this. Sheep are not smart. I saw your hand, Jessica. Don't defend the sheep. Oh, awesome. Jessica, if you don't know, Jessica's back there. She's going to help with our baptism after the message. She's a veterinarian, a very good one. She just confirmed what I said. So, if you don't believe the, pa the pastor, believe the veterinarian, okay? Sheep don't know what they're doing. But we, guess what? It's kind of an insult when Jesus says, be the sheep. Because he's saying, you are the sheep, you are the stupid ones. And you need me to, to lead you. Well, we are, if you just would say with me, I am stupid. Go ahead, I am stupid. It's very freeing. That way you don't have, we can take off the veil of I'm being smart, just say, I'm stupid. I need Jesus. When you try to find your own green meadow, you die. We're not smart enough, we're not good enough to find rest ourselves. Jesus can do that though. And that's why he says, knock 
and the door will open. Ask, and you will find. That's our Savior. That is our shepherd. Some of you need peace in your family or your workplace or your community. Some of you need some wisdom. You need to walk into that meadow of wisdom because you haven't made a lot of great choices. Ask Jesus to help you. He also gives us some peaceful streams. So what are some peaceful streams that you've drunk from lately? What are some things that you have, you've just kind of soaked it in and you said, I am refreshed and I'm renewed. I'm restored. What are some that you would like to drink from? Some of you have been on the edge of losing your job because we've got a lot of things going on in Houston right now with oil. And maybe you just need to drink from that stream of security. That security does not come from what I do or my job. Security ultimately comes from a shepherd who guides me and protects me. My security comes from my father who is a good father that when I ask, he does not give me stones to eat, but he gives me bread. We need to believe in that God. There's a huge false narrative going on in society right now that God is so distant from you that he doesn't even hardly know you. There's just this power out there that just sometimes does stuff. They basically created the earth and just let it go. And that one day you'll die and maybe you'll get to see something out there. That's not what the Bible says about our God. In fact, this psalm says that, says that that's completely false. Because a shepherd knows his sheep individually. And then Jesus would later say, not only does he know his sheep, but he knows when 99 are there and one is lost. He knows them well enough that he will go and find that one that's lost. So what kind of streams do you need to drink from? I think one is confidence. During Ash Wednesday, I gave us all a challenge. And if you weren't there, I'm going to give you the challenge. So get ready. The challenge was we're going to give up fear and complaining. Many of you are like, maybe I can give up fear, but the complaining thing, I'm not sure. How did you do on that this week? On fear? How many of you actually thought about not fearing something this week? Awesome, not quite. Wanted to see a few more hands. What about complaining? How many of you thought about not complaining this week? A few more. Our challenge during these next six weeks, give up fear, give up complaining. So one stream is confidence. Maybe you need to hear from the Lord and drink from the stream that tells you 
I believe in you. God has made you for a purpose. It goes beyond what you think you can do. In fact, every character in the Bible thought they could only do this much, and God says you're going to do this much once you realize you'll do it through me. Maybe it's confidence that the Lord your God is surely with you. For some of us, it's clarity. We need to drink from that stream to get some clarity. What is the Lord really saying to me? How do I move forward? Drink from the stream and ask the Lord to give you wisdom and clarity to move forward. Others, it may be just connection. Maybe you just need to be reminded that you are a part of his family, that you're not alone. You're never alone. That the Lord of the universe finds you special enough to sit through anything with you, to walk through anything with you, to keep up with you as you run, and to pull you up when you fall. Maybe it's just a stream of connection. The next part of the psalm, Psalm 23, verse 4, talks about what God does for us. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. As I read this, I thought about some of the hiking trips that I've been on. And when you are hiking, you obviously go up hills, and then you see valleys. But with every valley, on a hill, you can't always see exactly what it looks like, how far you have to go up. It's, there's kind of an illusion that happens there. But with every valley, you get to see what's before you. You may not be able to see exactly how deep, but you can look down and you can go, hmm, that's scary. I don't know if I want to do that. The Grand Canyon, you can look in and you can go, I'm not doing that. This says that even when you walk, even when you're on that precipice and you look down and you go, I don't want to go through that, the Lord says, I will go with you. This is your path. You're not going to like it but I'll be there with you. I don't know about you, but I know for me, there have been different times in my life when I've been on the precipice and I said, I really don't care to do that. I really don't want to do that. And I definitely don't want to do it by myself because it's scary. But if I think about the Lord of the universe stepping right next to me, and saying, Aaron, because he knows us by name. Aaron, I'll walk with you. I'm going to take that first step with you. Yeah, it is going to be scary, but I will walk with you through this. That's what the Psalm 23 says to each of us. No matter what you're facing, whether it's scary, where your body is filled with fear, the Lord says, I'll be with you. 
Each one of your names goes, Dolores, I will be with you as you walk through that. It's not going to be pretty, Dolores. It's not. But because I'm there, you'll be safe. You'll be secure as I walk with you. He says his rod and his staff will protect and comfort you. The staff, if you don't know what the staff, the shepherd's staff was used for, just to kind of give you an image, there's a little, you know, crook in it, and there's the staff. The staff was always used to guide, to kind of tap on the sheep. For some of us, we need to be whacked, right? It's discipline from the Lord. Sometimes it's just to guide them. So if you had sheep and you're trying to push them out this door, you'd be a tapping them, trying to move them forward, tapping them, pushing them forward, tapping them on the side. And sometimes you've got to be whacking them to get them to go. I prefer to be tapped by God, not whacked. He doesn't do it out of harm for you, remember? It's always to guide you in the right direction. So when you get whacked by God, you can almost with certainty say, I shouldn't go that direction. Some of you have been whacked. Have you, how many of you have been whacked? So there's more of you that have been whacked than took up my challenge <laughs> to not fear or complain. Maybe there's a connection in that. God wants to tap you. He loves you. But with every sheep to get them to go the right way, he's going to do whatever it takes. The crook part, that's the saving part. So our shepherd is one who disciplines and saves. So sheep will often get caught in something. They'll get in a stream and they can't swim because they have those itty-bitty hooves. You know, it doesn't work well. It's kind of like us. We don't do well when we get caught in something that's over our head. And you take that crook and you grab them and you pull them out. You save them. That's what the Lord does. So many times we'll make decisions and we need saved. He counts us precious enough to save. Some of us have been saved. How many of you have been saved? Now, if you count yourself as a follower of Jesus, I hope you raise your hand. Because he saved you from a life without him. That was the first pull on his staff. He brought you into the family. So if you were outside of his kingdom and alone, he grabbed you with that crook and brought you in. Some of you, you were part of the family, but you made a decision to say, I'm going to walk away because I think I can do it my own way. He's grabbed you, and he's pulled you back. He saved you, because we believe in a shepherd that not only disciplines out for our good, but also saves. Isaiah, the prophet, says it this way in chapter 41. I have called you back from the ends of the earth, saying, you are my servant, for I have chosen you and will not throw you away. I bet some of you need to hear just that verse right there. 
I have chosen you, and I will not throw you away. Instead, I will save you. I will pull you out of what you're doing because you are too precious to throw away. You are not trash. Verse 10, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. If you're on the precipice and you see the valley, there's good news to know that the Lord is holding you up. There's good news to know that the Lord, your God, is with you. There's good news to know that he's not going to throw you away if you mess up. The last couple of verses tells us what God will promise to do. Verses 5 and 6. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the oikos of the Lord forever. God promises to prepare something for each of us that are part of his family. And we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in just a little bit. But it's a feast for you and your family. And this morning, I really would like all of you who follow Jesus to take one more step in making sure that as you approach the table today, that you realize it's a feast that God has prepared that it isn't something that he just has thrown away. It's something that he's given through the death and the resurrection of his son. Especially for you. Because he loves you. And it is the feast that we get to experience in this world as we wait for the coming one that he will restore. Some of us, we are a little bit scared on the provision of God. And in this, God reminds us that he prepares feasts. Jesus would say it this way in Matthew 6, verses 31 and 33. So don't worry about all these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. We are a people of abundance, not scarcity. It means that we view that the moment the Lord calls us into his household, we have access to the pantry. We get to go into the pantry whenever we want. We just get to pull things out. Amaria at the Schmidt's home, we've been living with the Schmidt's for about seven months. She's had full access to their pantry. They've got a big pantry. She pulls whatever she wants. She comes out of that with 10 snacks every hour. God does the same thing for you. He says, you're here and you have full access to anything you want. Take it and do good with it. 
So in this psalm, as we go through Lent, I said we wanted to give up two things. What are the two things? So when you say that, you shouldn't say it like you're complaining. So we're going to give up fear and complaining. All right? This psalm tells us to do two things. We're going to give up two things, fear and complaining. This psalm also tells us two ways to respond. Because we have a good shepherd, a shepherd who loves us, a shepherd who has said, you have a relationship with me because of what I've done for you. Now represent me. So we're going to search and find those who are lost. That's how we walk in the footsteps of Jesus because we know as a good shepherd, as a shepherd who says, when one is lost and I have 99, I'll go out and find the one that's lost. Is there someone you know that's outside the kingdom of God, someone who doesn't know Jesus? You search and you find them. Is there someone that you've seen kind of walk off the path? We go seek and find them. Ezekiel 34 says it this way, I myself will search and find my sheep. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. We gather the scattered. The way we gather the scattered is we create houses of peace in each neighborhood. So how do you create a house of peace? A house of peace is created by welcoming people in, not by locking the doors. So you open up your doors. We do this publicly through our MCs, but I want to challenge you to do this in your own house. You invite someone over for dinner, and you make sure you include God in that dinner. How do you include God in the dinner? The easiest way is that you give thanks to God for the dinner that he gave you, for the food and the provision, and you attribute it to Jesus. You welcome someone into your house and become a house of peace. It doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter if they follow Jesus or not. It's whoever God puts in your path, and you invite them over. That's the first thing I want us to do is that we scatter. I mean, we gather the scattered. Don't scatter right now. We gather the scattered because we follow in the footsteps, footsteps of Jesus. If we want to do the, follow the words of Jesus, to say the words of Jesus, if we want to do the works of Jesus and walk in the ways of Jesus, we follow what he does. This is what he does. He invites people over. Are you ready to be a house of peace? Yes. Some of you are already doing this. And how we can encourage each other by doing this is if you know someone hasn't been able to do this, if they invite people over but they're a little bit scared about including Jesus in that meal because they don't know where that person's faith is, I can give you a thousand excuses of why it doesn't happen or they get really busy about the meal, whatever happens. They don't know if they should talk about God because that person doesn't really demonstrate that they want to know about God. I'll think of all the excuses you can come up with. Throw those out. And how you're going to help each other do this is the people that are scared about inviting someone over, you're going to invite from this community over to your house. 
So I want everyone at Oikos to take up the challenge of inviting someone over to your house this week, whether they're in this room, and you can go easy street, you can go easy street, you can invite me over. <laughs> Maybe that's not easy street. You can invite someone in here over for a meal and pray to God together. And then the next week you can go a little bit step further and maybe it's your next door neighbor. And then you take a little step out there and maybe it's a coworker. And then maybe you take another step and it's your mother-in-law. Just kidding, just kidding. You just continue to invite and be a house of peace. Sorry, that wasn't a good joke. I thought I'd have more laugh. Okay. We gather the scattered. He says, Ezekiel chapter 34, I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who stray away, and I'll bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak. We're going to give up fear. We're going to give up complaining. And instead, we're going to search those who are lost. We're going to seek out those, and we're going to find them. And then we're going to gather the scattered. Seek and find, gather and scatter, gather the scattered, become homes that are filled with peace. Whatever fear you have, let it go right now. God wants to use you as his good shepherds. Not just me, not just Jason, wherever he is, not just Adrian, but all of us to represent his kingdom. May you be filled with that power of the Spirit of God today because you are his oikos. And that should be a good feeling. Is that a good feeling? You are his household. You are his family. And he's called you here today to invite those who don't have a family with God into the family. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've given us time to reflect on Psalm 23. I pray that as we get into this psalm that you would encourage us, push us, allow us to see that you are with us when we're fearful so that we can release that fear. May we become many homes across Houston that are filled with your peace and your joy. And as people enter them, they experience Jesus. Either because they haven't experienced him for a long time or for the first time. So that they can come close to him and he can be their shepherd. In your name we pray. Amen.